the book of Mark in chapter number 4. We know for a fact that we are... Uh, that we're supposed to share the gospel in our life. That is, uh, that is our job. That is our commission as Christians. That is our responsibility. And the reality is that it should be our joy, right? It should be something that we're happy about, something we're excited about, not something that we put off, not something that we dread, not something that we try to get out of, but it should be something that we're excited to do. But we're not supposed to do it for the sake of getting results. Was anybody a brainiac in school? Tried to your absolute best to make a perfect grade no matter what. And anything short of 100% was not good enough. A lot of times people like that make A's not for the sake of, of being the best, but for the sake of making A's. They, they do it and they study not for the sake of learning, but for the sake of results, of, of simply having that number, simply getting that scholarship or, or being number one, number two in the class. And, and it's, it's, not about, it's not about the end result with God. He's not telling us to go and, and to, to, to be a witness and, and to fellowship and to take his word in, into the world so that we can see the results. He tells us to go and, and to sow the word into the world so that he can get the results. This side of eternity will never know the effect of us sharing the gospel to its full extent. It's impossible. We will never know. We will never know how much of an impact we can have on other people by telling them about Jesus, by telling them we love them, by praying for them. On this side of eternity, we will not see that result. Don't look for it. You may be able to see one person change or somebody come back and tell you, hey, I'm glad you prayed for me. It really helped me out. You're the reason I got closer to God. You're the reason I got saved. You're the reason who, who, you're the one who led me to Jesus. You may see that sometimes. But that's not the reason we witness. We don't do it for results. We do it for God. And faith in Him, faith in Him is our results. Mark in chapter number 4, we're going to begin in verse number 1. Mark chapter number 4, verse number 1. He began to teach by the seaside, and there was gathering to him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables. And said unto them, this doctrine, before we go any further, <clears throat> I don't know how many of you has ever had any practice speaking to a large group, but they didn't have microphones back then. Can you imagine how loud Jesus was talking? He was standing in a ship in the middle of water and he was projecting to this multitude, to this humongous number of people on the seashore. Whenever Jesus was preaching to them, it, it, it wasn't something that was easy for him to do. It was something that required a little bit of effort. Jesus was just as much a man as you and me are. There's a good chance he was horse the next morning. We don't think about the effort that Jesus put into it, but this was difficult. This is not something that, 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 that he could just do with no consequences. Jesus was a man just as we are. Verse 3, Jesus said, Hearken, behold, now a sower went out to sow. And came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground, which had not much earth. And immediately it sprang up, but it had no depth of earth. When the sun was come up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. 
And others fell on good ground and did yield his fruit and sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. This morning, this scenario, this parable that Jesus spake encompasses most of us in our Christian life. At some point in time in our life, if we are doing what we're supposed to be doing, if we are witnessing for God, we are going to witness to every type of person who's here. It's coming. If you stand up and try to witness in this church, you're going to witness to every type of person that's here. Everywhere we go, there's people who's... There's seeds that that fall on stony ground. There's seeds that fall by the wayside. There's seeds that fall among thorns. And there's seeds that fall on good ground. But does that mean we are to stop sowing whenever we see those seeds that fall on the wayside? Does that mean we're to stop sowing, that we're to stop witnessing, that we're to stop trying to be a blessing to other people just because sometimes we get a bad look? There's a lot of reasons to get discouraged. There's a lot of reasons to stop. None of them are good enough for God. None of them. Jesus had a lot of reasons to stop on his way up Calvary's hill. He had a lot of reasons to stop the night that they come and got him in the garden of Gethsemane. He knew what was coming. He seen it. He had a lot of reasons to stop while they were sitting there beating him and whooping on him. But he didn't. As he laid his hands down for them to drive the nails in his hands, he had a lot of reasons to stop and just say, nope, I'm done. But he didn't. He hung on that tree. And the Bible says he could have called legions of angels to get him down. The song says, one of my favorite songs, it said he could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. That's it. Boom. He could have done it just like that. But he didn't. The song says, but he died alone for you and me. Jesus didn't stop. And neither should we. He explains the parable. Beginning in verse number 13. And we're going to read down through this little by little. Know ye not this parable? And how then will you know all the parables? A sower soweth. The word. Who today is called to be a sower? Who is supposed to spread the gospel of Christ? Whose job is it? And I know we've talked about it before. But it's not just the preacher's job to tell other people about Jesus. Because this morning, right now, the only people that I can tell about Jesus is you. And you're a captive audience. I can tell you all about Christ. But if I stop and I don't take the gospel of Christ anywhere outside this church house, I have failed. 100% unequivocally failed if I don't take the gospel of Christ outside of the pulpit. As a Christian, not as a minister, as a Christian, if I do not live the gospel of Christ, if I do not try to witness to others outside the church house, I have failed. God presents opportunities to us each and every day to tell other people about Jesus, to show people the love of Christ that lives within us, that's supposed to live within us. Give us the opportunity to make a difference in people's lives. Whether we take them or not is whether or not we are sowing the seed that God has given us. Today, are we sowing that seed? We haven't even got to where the seed's going yet. But are we sowing? There's two types of seed sowers. 
And if you've ever had kids plant ryegrass in a high school setting before, even your kids at home probably, there's a pretty good chance you've seen both types. You have the type that's got the bucket in their arm or the, the bag over their head, and they're, they're just going, I mean, throwing seed every which way, doing a great job, just excited about throwing seeds out. This usually happens when they're about this big. They're excited about throwing seeds out. And then you get a teenager. And that teenager walking around, throwing seed, missing a spot, missing a spot, and then they see a hole. They dump half the bucket in there so they don't have to spray the spread as much. And then they keep on going, they throw a little bit. They keep on going, they throw a little bit. They pull their cell phone out. Throw a little bit. They trip, well, they spill some. That is Christians today. Whenever we're saved, we have a zeal that is unmatched. Whenever we are saved for, for that moment, for that <clears throat> short period of time, the vast majority of Christians have a zeal that is unmatched. They love telling people about Jesus. They spread the word of God everywhere. No matter what people is going to say, whenever we, whenever we immediately get saved, that fire is, is, is burning. We're excited about God. We invite everybody to church. But then when you get into the teenage Christian years, we, we don't. We'll spread a little here when it's convenient. We'll spread a little there when it's convenient, when it's easy. And then we, we get to church and, and we get to, to be on the choir and we get to be on the praise team and, and, and we get to stand up in Sunday school and we'll dump all our seeds right here in this hole and then we don't worry about spreading any more after that. We feel like I've done what I need to do this week. I've done what I need to do. I'm, I'm finished. I done got all my seed out. I didn't spread it the right way. I didn't do it the way God wanted me to do. I didn't put it where I needed to put it but I got rid of all of it. That is the teenager Christian. And the quicker Christians can grow out of that phase, the better. God tells us to sow His Word. To take His Gospel into the world. I know exactly how you feel, Emory. Golly. It's been getting me this week. God tells us to take His Word into the uttermost parts of the world. Not just, not just where it's easy. Not just where it's convenient. Not just to the people that look and act like us. Not just to the people who will listen. Not just to the people who, right down the road. Paul was in prison. In jail and captive in bonds and he was preaching. And whenever he stood before Agrippa, he, he told him his testimony. He said, almost, Paul said, almost ain't good enough. Agrippa said Paul would have been set free had he not appealed to Caesar. Paul was going to Rome to die. He knew he wasn't coming back. He knew that was his last trip. But that's where God sent him. It was not easy. It was not a vacation. Several of the missionaries that we've had come and others that I've seen and spoke with the last several years, you listen to their, you listen to their witness. How easy it is for them to get from place to place. How many hours they spend on a bicycle to go preach to a church full of four people in a village, in a hut. It's not easy. But they're sowing nevertheless. Sometimes we have to sow to a very, very sparse crowd. Sometimes we have to sow to people who won't listen. 
Sometimes we have to sow to people who are throwing things at us while we're preaching. Sometimes we have to sow in the rain. Sometimes we have to sow in the snow. But sow nevertheless. Jesus did it for us. Jesus didn't stop. Jesus didn't slow down. Jesus didn't say this is too much. Jesus didn't say I can't do it anymore. Jesus said I don't want to do it anymore. He did it completely and totally. He fulfilled the salvation plan so that you and I could be saved. And if we can't live for Him, we are failures. Verse number 14, excuse me, 15. Some of the seed fell by the wayside. These are they that fell by the wayside where the world, excuse me, where the word is sown. But when they had heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their heart. Most of you have kids. If you, if you do, you understand the term in one ear, out the other. Ever happened? Most of you have husbands. You understand the term in one ear, out the other. Right? Everybody understands that part. Whenever you hear something, it, you really didn't hear it. You, you really wasn't paying attention. You, you don't remember anything to do with it. <clears throat> Your mind was in another place. In one ear, out the other. You know, I mean... Anybody ever been talking to somebody and you can be looking at them and you can tell the lights are on but nobody's home. You can sit there and talk to them and there's, there's nothing happening. Whenever the seed falls by the wayside, it's not gonna, it's not gonna take root. It's not gonna, agriculture term, it's not gonna germinate. It's not gonna happen because immediately that seed is taken out. That's the equivalent of a Christian sitting in church and whenever they leave, they leave the message behind. They leave the Word of God behind. It's that Christian whose Bible gathers dust to the point that you can't even read Holy Bible on the front of it anymore. It's the point where, where a Christian says, it's been months since I've prayed. It's those who profess to know Christ but make it to church twice a year. Christmas and Easter. Sometimes Mother's Day. There's those who don't take the word with them. There's those that it goes in one ear and out the other. And you know as well as I do, it's hard talking to people that way. When you know they're not paying attention. When you know they don't care. But Jesus said, so anyway. Spread the word anyway. We know that there's people out there that don't care about the word of God. Aren't there? I've met some. Undoubtedly, you've met some too. There's people that just don't care. They're not going to have anything to do with it. I'll worry about it later. I don't believe in it. I don't need it. I don't care. Whatever it takes to get you gone. Kind of like what we do to Jehovah's Witnesses whenever they come to the door, right? I have a Bible. I believe in Jesus. Have a wonderful day. Make sure to get my neighbor down the street. Whatever it takes to get him gone. And people are that way with us too. Whenever they realize that you're trying to share Jesus with them, they're not going to have it. Whatever you say, they're not going to hear. They're not going to understand. That. They're not going to want to. Because there's no desire there. They don't want anything to do with God and we are still called to witness to those people. We don't exclude them. We don't give up on them. The second type of people that we are called to witness to and no doubt we do witness to. He said these are likewise which are on the stony ground. Who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. You ever heard of an emotional Christian? 
They are on a, uh, this type of people, they get on an emotional high. You know, emotions don't save us. Emotions don't save us. You know, emotions, <laughs> emotions is a chemical reaction within your body. Emotions is not Jesus taking a hold of you. It can cause an emotion. But whenever we get emotion and God confused with each other, that's the type of person we become right here. It said immediately they received the word with gladness. They are excited about God. This is the example of a new Christian or someone who decides to automatically, all of a sudden, give their life back to Christ. Because they feel good. You see it a lot in, in, in these big mega churches. Whenever people get on an emotional high because a lot of other people around them are, are standing up and dancing. You see a lot in other religions. People start making laps around the churches and they, 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 they think it's something special. God said, I don't come in the mountains and the thunder. I come in a still small voice. God speaks to us individually and personally. It is not an emotional. It is not a remotion. It is a spiritual encounter. It said immediately they, they receive it with gladness and have no root in them. And so endure, but for a time. Give a kid a toy. Give it to them for Christmas. Give them a toy. Give them something that they wanted really, 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 really bad. I mean, really bad. And give it a month. What happens to that toy? It's gone. Anybody ever remember the, the old Nintendo 64? Anybody at Nintendo 64? Had that big three-pronged controller? Had a game in it. It's called Donkey Kong. Awesome game. I always wanted one. I got one. A month later, I couldn't find it. Didn't know where it was. Why? Because I played it all day, every day. I mean, I stayed up at night just playing Donkey Kong for the first two weeks, and I got bored. So I turned it loose. I let it go. I couldn't find it anymore. Whenever she was younger, her favorite thing in the whole wide world was a little banana. If y'all was in Sunday school, she threw it over the seat today. She don't want it no more. She's done. She, she's finished. It's, it's not happening. We get excited about things in the here and now. But it don't stick. There's a lot of people that we can witness to that will get excited about the Word of God right now and it does not stick. I applaud the, the, the Cooper who played for the piano today and the boys that got up here and sang. I tried to do piano one time. I did. I took and I got me some stickers. I cheated. I took and got me some stickers and I laid out exactly what every key was in the sticker on it and I got so much trouble for that. My mom was trying to teach me piano. I, I thought I wanted to learn. And for the first couple of days, I would practice three hours a day just trying to figure out. I'd go from middle C and I'd work my way this way and I'd work my way that way. And I was just trying so hard to learn, learn the piano. First couple of days, I was out there two or three hours a day on that piano just, just making rap. Trying to figure it out. Trying to learn it. Trying to wrap my head around it. A week later, I was spending an hour a day practicing. Two weeks later, I was down to 10, 15 minutes. Guess how many songs I can play on the piano? Twinkle, twinkle, little star. It's as far as I can go. Because I wanted it. I wanted it bad. For a very, very short amount of time. 
lot of people today, whenever you present the word again, whenever, whenever they receive Jesus, whenever they get excited about God, they can be excited, I mean, on fire for God for that long because the word did not take root in them. Because they did not... Because they did not see it as a priority for life. They saw it as a, and I'm going to use this word because there's no better word. They saw it as a fad. They saw it as something that everybody else was doing. They saw it as something that is neat, cool, interesting. And it didn't stick. It's not something that they, they, they stayed committed to. You know, following God is work. It is. Being a Christian is work. Being a disciple of Christ is work. It's hard. And these are those who, whenever it gets hard, they bail out. Whenever the emotional high subsides, they quit. They're done. They go home. It's over. <clears throat> Nintendo's not cool anymore. I'm moving on to Xbox. Piano's not cool anymore. I'm, I'm going to go outside and do something else. They move on. They don't stay committed. And you never see end results. Because there's nothing there. Whenever the sun comes up, verse number 6, whenever things got hard, whenever the heat was applied, whenever the pressure was applied, whenever all of a sudden things changed a little bit, it was scorched because there was no root. There was no commitment. A lot of times today and, and even in our life, there's, there's very little commitment to God. We're never late to school, but we're late to church. We'll sit there and we will watch an infomercial on TV, but we won't read a Sunday school lesson. We'll make sure we're up an hour early to go on vacation. But the kids are late to discovery. A lot of times in our life, we, we find ourselves dwindling on roots because of the commitment. And those that we preach to, those that we teach, those that we witness to, those that we try to help, don't get discouraged whenever they only are on fire for God for a week. Don't get discouraged. Don't take it personally. Jesus said they did the same thing to him. You read in the Bible several times, and here Jesus is preaching to a multitude. And just a few chapters over, he's by himself again. Because they wanted to be with him, they wanted to be around him, and then... He got old. Let's go find something else. Let's go find something different. Don't be discouraged whenever, whenever you, you see results and you see an instant gratification and then it, it dwindles down. The third, verse 18, these are which, excuse me, these are they which are sown among the thorns, such as hears the word. And the cares of this world the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of the things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. These are those who hear the word, receive the word, take root, commit to God. But that commitment don't last. How hard is it to get distracted today? How hard is it to be thinking about other things? How hard is it to put the Bible, to put God on the back burner? How hard is it to talk to somebody about every single thing in the world except God? 
I teach a Bible class, first period in the morning. It's the worst class I teach. Yeah. Seventh grade boys. It is. They're tough. Seventh grade boys, they are the most difficult class. Their desire, vast majority, not all of them, their desire is to talk about everything on the planet except the Bible. That's what they want to do. They want to talk about the football game. They want to talk about the basketball game. They want to talk about their mom. They want to talk about their daddy. They want to talk about their jacket, their shoes. I can go down and, and, and on and on and on. They want to talk about everything in the world but the Bible. Why? Because there's so much going on in this world today to keep our head out of focus from God. There are so many things to distract us from God. You know what these things are? These things are of the world. The Bible says things of this world will burn up. And yet, nevertheless, and the devil has had several thousand years to perfect how he distances people from God. He has had thousands of years to figure out the best way to keep you away from God. And Jesus nails it whenever he says the cares of this world, riches, and lust. Everything what we have going on separates us from God. Greed, money, work, power, status separates us from God. Lust goes right along with greed. What I want, what I want other people to think of me separates us from God. And so even whenever even whenever we, even whenever those that we minister to and witness to, whenever they, they hear the word and they commit and they get distracted. They get deceived because the devil has perfected. He has perfected his way of separating people from God. He's good at it. It happens all the time. It's easy for others to get separated. But does that mean that we are to stop ministering to them? That we are to stop witnessing to them? That we are to stop trying to reach them? The Bible says to sow anyway. We're not the ones that bring results. We're not the ones that can make anything grow. That's God. Verse 20, it's the ones that we all love preaching to. We all love witnessing to those that are the seed sown on good ground. They hear the word. They receive the word. And they go out and begin witnessing themselves. Those are the easy people to witness to. Whenever you begin talking about Jesus and you're talking to someone who has already read their Bible, someone who is, is active, someone who is a child of God, it's easy to talk to somebody like that about Jesus. It's easy to find a, a minister or a preacher or a deacon or a Sunday school teacher, a church member. It's easy to talk to them about Jesus. Because they receive the word. It takes root. It sticks. They don't get distracted by the things of this world. But you know the trick about the, the parable of the sower, the, the part that we oftentimes want to... We, we, we want to do like the, the liberals do whenever they tear apart the Word of God and they begin to paste it back together to make it sound like what, what they want. 
all the different translations of the Bible. They take out what they don't like and put in what they need. We like to do that in this parable. We like to think, well, God, if, if I'm going to witness, I need to see some results. Abraham searched his whole life. He followed God his whole life looking for a city. And he found it in his death. Moses lived his whole life leading God's people. And on this side of eternity, he did not know the effect that he had. Moses is still affecting people today. Stephen preached to everybody. And even after his death, his life continued to have an influence on Paul, the church of Ephesus, the church of Philippi. All the heroes of the faith in the book of Hebrews continue to have an effect on us today. And just because we can't see the results, just because we, we, see, we, we see the ones that fall on stony ground, we see the ones who fall by the wayside. But we're not required to make that seed grow. We can't control what that person does with the Word of God. But we can do two things that the Bible tells us blatantly to do. Jesus said in the book of Acts to be a witness unto all men. Everyone. Regardless of affiliation, regardless of color, regardless of what they look like, regardless of how they act, regardless of what they smell like, regardless of who they are. Be a witness unto all men. And the second is to pray for them. After we sow the seed, that's not where our work ends. We're to pray for them. Prayer works. Prayer makes a difference. Whenever we plant the seed, the Holy Spirit can begin to work within them. And the Holy Spirit makes a difference. And one, two, five, ten, twenty years down the road, you may see a result that you didn't see coming. You may see a life change that God brought about because of the seed that you plant. So today what I want to leave with you is that we sow no matter what. And we pray for our seeds. We pray that God bless. This morning, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to sow to you just for a minute. I want to present Jesus Christ who died for you just, just for one minute. Jesus came to this world. He didn't have to. He chose to because you were doomed for hell. And if you're here without Jesus, you still are. Jesus didn't have to come. He chose to come. He chose to come and live this life for you. He suffered psychologically. He suffered physically. He suffered death on the cross. One of the most grueling ways a man could die. He was beaten. He was whipped. He was punished for you. He was punished so you wouldn't have to be. He died and God turned his back on him. He spent three dark hours on that cross. Jesus conquered hell whenever he rose from the grave. He conquered a hell that you're going toward. He conquered a hell that you will spend eternity in. But Jesus said, you don't have to if you'll believe on me. He said, whosoever believeth in me shall have everlasting life. And this morning, if you'll believe in Jesus Christ with all your, with all your heart, as your Savior, God will save you. There'll be no eternity in hell.
There'll be no more. There'll be no more fear of hell. And all you have to do is believe. Don't let the word fall on deaf ears on the wayside. Don't let it go in one ear and out the other. You know what I mean? Hey, you don't know how many days you have left. Don't let it stay in this church. Take it with you. Let it take root. The Word of God can change your life. The Word of God can change everything if you'll just believe in Him. Well, we have a verse from Psalm. We will ask for a verse from invitation. Someone will have something on their heart. We'll give you an opportunity at this time.